Bulls on Parade podcast by the Underground Run Club, powered by Matt Black. I could not let 2022 finish without getting today's guest on the Bulls on Parade podcast. So much so that I've travelled out of South Cronulla with all the podcast equipment. I'd like to welcome the great man Mick Chapo Chapman to the podcast. Thank you very much, Daniel. How are you? Very well, mate. Very well. <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> so we've got a couple of beers then. A so. couple of beers and uh, getting this in before we head up to Sunday Road for uh, a couple more. Yeah, and I enjoy the end of the year. It's, uh, it's a good time to kind of let the hair down a little bit and um, actually enjoy yourself. <laughs> How much have you been letting the hair down recently? Oh, not not too much. Um, been pretty good, but uh, yeah, had a little nudge after State Cup, which was, uh, yeah, worth it. <laughs> Very good, yeah. It's always fun after a State Cup, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's one of those things where... You don't realise, well, until you get to a certain age, you don't realise how hard they are to actually win. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've won two and they've been 10 years between. So t- really? 2012 to 2022. So, um, yeah, difficult to win, but uh, we just had a very good team. And you, yeah. guys were, you guys were dubbed the, the dream team this year. Yeah, externally. Um, internally, we just, I don't know, it's really strange that all these people um, have just been mates for 15 or 20 years um we've all just kind of either grown up or played touchdown in Wollongong and um it just kind of the stars aligned where everyone came in together at the same time and strangely played state cup together but um yeah we didn't really think of it as the dream team it was just a a great time to bring a lot of good people together very very high caliber uh quality team for those that don't know state cup the Touch Football New South Wales Touch Football State Cup is held in the first weekend of December every year, uh, where teams from all over the state uh, merge into Port Macquarie mm-hmm. and play a three-day tournament. Um, so you played mixed this year. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, ten years ago it was it was men's uh, with, with Gong. Yeah, with Wollongong, a lot of the same guys there, and uh, yeah, played a lot of uh, mixed in terms of the representative stuff, like many many moons ago but um yeah came back to the mix got got a got a call probably six months out and (laughs) it was good enough that i was uh kind of tempted enough to 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 go down that road and kind of put running on pause for a minute yeah Yeah, nice well i mean it's it's really funny i for those who don't know chap and i first met playing touch against each other probably 10 years ago yeah maybe maybe earlier i I remember playing for bankstown back in 2000 and Eight two thousand and nine, and I think around that around that time is when we sort of cracked it in into Premier League, which was when our our, our paths first crossed. I think. Yeah, so I think uh, I think Wollongong first had their men's side in twenty eleven, um, which is yeah around that time. And I just remember whenever we came up against um, you guys in in Bankstown, it was actually. We were actually a little bit worried about Nath, so yeah. so plugged to Nath because yeah. we'd always worry about Wags' long ball and it yeah. was the other Wags. Yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he had an absolute rocket, so um, yeah. that's kind of who we were worried about in your, in your yeah. side. Mate, the amount of times when Nath just pulled this ball out of his <laughs> ass, like, I mean, he wasn't pulling it out of his ass, like, he, he knew what he, 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 was, he, doing. he, knew what yeah. he was doing, yeah. but he'd be, you know, on the right-hand side of the field 
get a ball out of dummy half or get a ball off the ruck and just rocket this ball to the winger's chest and the winger would basically walk over. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was handy. Yeah, very handy and made a very smart player as yeah. well, Nath. But I always remember having good battles against Wollongong. It was never – I mean, we had we had a real rivalry with Doylson where we fucking hated each other, <laughs> right? Like, we fucking hated Doylson. Yeah, right. But we had a rivalry with Wollongong where it was really mutually respectful. Mm. It was always good battles. You guys just really – I feel like you guys were a very big running side – yeah, it's uh, it kind of lends into I guess my background and my style of touch footy, and I guess probably the only reason that I got uh, you know, looked at in terms of any talent identification was the fact that I just worked hard. And yeah. Wollongong, Wollongong's work ethic um, is huge. It's just like you you win games of touch through the middle of the field and defending hard, and yeah. um, they're, they're the things that I uh, they're, they're the things that I wanted to pride myself on. And the same thing for State Cup, just gone where. Uh, I just wanted to truck a ball up the yeah. middle and, and set a platform for for good players. It's funny. I mean, I'm not going to place myself in the same class as yourself, Chapo. I mean, I, I think you're a fantastic player, no, but it's, it. it's funny. <laughs> we're here now. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> but I feel like you and I, we're both uh, role players. So we aren't we aren't the ones that are pl- pulling off the flashy plays and, you know, the quickies and, and doing those fancy um, moves. Mm. We're getting the ball down for those players and we're, we're, we're setting up plays – two or three touches prior yeah. by getting us in good field position by driving the ball hard. Yeah, and that's uh, what the funniest thing before we went to State Cup is um, I was talking to a good mate that was saying, oh, the beauty the beauty of someone like my game is the fact that I'll never be on a highlight thrill. <laughs> and then Fucking next, next what? <laughs> Did you see what I just yeah. tagged you in before? No. So New South Wales State Cup have put together like a four-minute long montage of the whole weekend. And there's like a slow-mo clip of you from front on. Literally the only footage ever caught of me. Highlight reel, so good. <laughs> Scoring a try, so. Yeah, and that was, I reckon, they said it in commentary, try of the tournament. It was yeah. so good to watch. So that day, I was so hung over that day. <laughs> I literally got up, watched the Socceroos final uh, round of 16 game against Argentina. And then there was like an hour gap or something until, or half an hour gap until state cup live coverage started on facebook yeah right i got up late on the lounge put the facebook live coverage on just sport 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 all day it will just touch all day yeah yeah and i ordered uber eats for breakfast amazing uber eats for lunch (laughs) i didn't move off the fucking lounge what was your order i had a a brekkie wrap from pilgrims and then i had a collins roll with chips and a bowl of coke from cc babcock for lunch (laughs) i didn't get up till like 6 p.m um it was rough anyway (laughs) <laughs> We've sort of gone on this weird tangent. We'll probably do a few more of those. But going back to what you were saying about having a break from running and preparing for touch footy, it's really funny. I've played, obviously, recently with you in a local comp up here at Tyrone Point. Yeah, the URC locals. Has-beens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Has-beens, has yeah. Got the call up from Big Wes. Yeah, yeah. But the type of running – like, I've had a big year of running, but the type of running fitness you need for touch is so, so different. Yeah, I think I think that's one thing that I love about kind of mixing up sports and why I grew through a few different sports when I was younger is the fact that uh, it doesn't matter how fit or good you are, there will always be a training session or a sport that gets you completely out of your comfort zone and will humble you completely. Yeah. So um, that that was a really good mix up for me in the last six months where you know I was kind of um, running was standard. I I wasn't really um, getting too many new goals in the yeah. in that six month period so it was time to shift and by shifting that you know obviously you're shifting 
demands on your body and mm. and and um you know pace and change yeah. of direction and stuff and I just love challenging my body to yeah. do different, completely different things. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's uh, something I've noticed about you for you know the time that we've had a, a friendship, and I think I feel like in the last couple of years our, our friendships has um, grown further than blossomed almost. It's blossomed, yeah. It's, <laughs> our friendship has blossomed. Um, but you're the type of person that always I feel needs a new target to zero in on, and it might yeah. not be. It does. They're not always necessarily massive big scary goals but they're like you're you're i feel like you're very a process oriented person where you need a target to set your attention to yeah that might not even be physically though i know you've got some other stuff going on at the moment which is exciting uh and it has nothing to do with sport or physical activity yeah where do you think that desire to or, or that passion for always having a target comes from uh yeah that's a good question uh i think from a young age, I always had a pretty decent internal drive to uh, prove to myself and, and prove to others like what I was capable of doing. And uh, I, I forget the quote now, but there's something to do with like the worst day of your life is when your current self meets um, the self that you were destined to be. Destined to be. Yeah. So what, where your potential lies. And regardless of what people are into, I think that reaching potential is something that's always you can always strive to get and um i just i would just hate to sit on my deathbed like one of my biggest fears is mediocrity it's like i do not want to i don't want to sit on my deathbed and go oh well you know i i ate perfectly and i i um ticked every single training box and here i am on my deathbed at whatever 100 years old and i did it like i want to be able to say that i've done all this crazy shit and and um you've had you've had this chat before where it's it's all about the current chapter that you're in or mm. the chapters that you've written and and kind of what you're penning in in the future and um I, I just love being able to get after something and 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 the older that i've got the more i've kind of given that time to say okay well give myself nine months to actually prepare for this thing properly um or or how much better will this be if i actually put a bit of time and effort and and brain power towards um this kind of one goal yeah um, and and i do like part of that being um with that internal drive is like keeping cards close to my chest so um i think there's there's a a quote that that talks around um there's two two rules for setting goals one is to keep your clothes your cards close to your chest and then that just says two there's just like this blank space so it's like i really enjoy setting things for myself and not necessarily telling um other people about it then you know when people ask or when when you actually do it um which is probably some of the stuff we'll talk about today but when you go out and do it, people go, "Oh, f- hang on, what are you doing?" It's I like have no idea. Yeah, yeah, but it's like I d- you people don't need to know. Yeah. Like I don't need to tell people that I'm doing stuff. I, I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. And and if I can use that platform to get other people to do their thing or or to you know push certain um, health messages, then I will do that. But I I really do like just putting the shoes on or whatever yeah. and going out there and saying let's let's go. <laughs> Mate, there's there's multiple things that were being triggered in my head just then. Uh, throughout that whole piece the first one is in contrast to what you said about keeping cards close to your chest regards to in regards to goal setting it's really funny because i I feel like i'm almost a little bit the opposite where yeah by publicly by setting it out publicly it's it's public accountability or or well i've said it now so to maintain my integrity as a human being and and following through with what i say i'm going to do I've told X amount of people, so I have to do it now. And I feel like 
depending on the type of person you are, I feel like I'm quite internally driven as well. Mm. But I also feel like I dr- I'm driven harder by a fear of not wanting to let people down that I've yeah, made yeah. a commitment to. Yeah, it's interesting in terms of uh, achieving a, v- a goal versus fear of not achieving the goal. Yeah, it's like what's the driver? It's yeah. like is the both driver, are powerful. Is the drive is the driver towards pleasure or away yeah. from pain? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Both are both are powerful. Both I, I've, I've valid used, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've used both in the past, but yeah, yeah. I think that's a really uh, important point to note for a lot of people that will probably listen to this um, from the URC is that understanding when you set your own goals the why behind setting it and then what actually drives you towards mm. executing in the process mm. and understanding what, again, like what we just touched on, what the driver is. Yeah. And I, th- I think with it, like a lot of the clients that I talk to, it's uh, in, in regards to nutrition goals, it's, it's around process, right? And, and if you don't enjoy the process of something, like it, it's going to be really hard or you're going to be disappointed when you get to that goal, whatever it is, whether it's a run or an event, and you get there and you kind of run it and go, okay, well, that was it. And was that all I did that for? And I gave up so much for all of that. It's like if you start to enjoy the process, and that process sucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> like um, Especially in endurance sport. <laughs> yeah, like uh, success isn't linear. Yeah. And, and the more that you understand that there's setbacks and, and niggly injuries and, and these sorts of things, like, I think people will potentially look to, um, you know, people like you or myself and we've been running forever that, you know, they, they think that everything's worked perfectly in our training plans and things mm. like that. They, they don't. Yeah. And um, it's just how you kind of get up, how, how you how you get up after those um, those those setbacks yeah. that yeah, hey, define you. A couple of people spring to mind immediately when you just brought up, you know, about the, the whole process of things aren't smooth sailing and success isn't linear. I mean, you and I both understand that very well. We've had our own setbacks with our own training and working towards goals and had to shift the goalposts and, and change the sales and things like that. But a couple of people this year have experienced for the first time what it's like to set a goal and then have a obstacle thrown in the way mm. and had to pivot midway through a training block and actually really thinking, like realising that, fuck, this isn't just as simple as here's mm. the goal, here's the training plan, just execute the training plan. Yeah. There's so many things that can come into play that, that can uh, blow you off course. Yeah, and I, th- I think I actually think that those those kind of things define a training block where you can be standing on a start line, and I do, I do think this is probably one of the best feelings you can have in sport is is standing on a on a start line or before the whistle goes in in team sport and. And knowing that you've done the work, and and just having this kind of smile on your face to go, I'm I'm ready, and and if anyone wants to come with me, they can. Yeah, <laughs> it's all, all like being on the start line, knowing like I'm here to enjoy this day. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, you take a marathon prep is as a prime example. It's like the hard work is done. You've you've just got to create one more like. Uh, training equivalent on the day yeah and then probably push the last 10k or so and and it's you know what i mean it's it's um the hard work is done so enjoy the day yeah i I actually said that to quite a few of the guys that i coached this year for sydney running festival yeah across either a heart 10k half marathon or full marathon that 98 percent of the race is done in the eight to 12 weeks leading up to it Mm. and that last two percent you're basically getting to race day and going looking yourself in the mirror and going, I've done the work required mm. or I have done 70% of the work required. Mm. I remember a couple of years ago, I was trying to um, 
you know, sub three hours for the Gold Coast Marathon. I was had a had a fair few things going on in my personal life at the time, and I committed about seventy percent to the training plan, mm. and the result was completely reflective of that. So yeah, right. I crumbled at about twenty eight k and had the probably the worst fourteen k's I've, I've ever had. But <laughs> got to the finish place. line, it was a very dark place. <laughs> but got to the finish line, I was like, dude, you can't be disappointed with that. Like yeah. your result was reflective of the effort you put into the training plan. Yeah, for sure. There's a um, there's a quote talking about. Can't expect uh, you can't expect a rainbow if you don't get a little wet beforehand. Like <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Lo- um, you know, know I mean? like you also loves getting wet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mo- most people do. We uh, won't mention names from Apilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of the URC, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, I think especially with this instant gratification world that we live in, people just want the medal. They want the result and they don't know the 90% that's gone in beforehand. And and um, if you're willing to work hard for things, they, they come, it comes yeah. eventually. Um, yeah. You know, it might not be the race that you wanted it to be or it might not be as early, but if you have consistency and progressive overload in training, it's like yeah. you, you, you take an Olympian or a 5K park runner, like consistency and progressive overload gets you very far. It's Well, speaking about elite athletes, how often do you hear this story? different details but same message is like the whole michael jordan quote i've failed over and over again mm. like you know it was like 900 times i've been trusted to take the match winning short or yeah yeah however many it was and like the the, the story is re- repeated over and over it's yeah. like even though like through failure i continue to turn up and mm. learn from experience yeah, the, uh, there's a there's a saying that you either win on your you win or you learn. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is huge in in the sporting world, but also with kids as well. That um, we need to teach our kids how to how to fail and how to lose because mm. you you learn so much about yourself or the situation or the sport if you lose. Because if you consistently win, you go, I did that perfectly. Therefore, there's no more. Uh, area for change yeah and and if that's always the case you're setting yourself up to fail so um yeah exactly like the highlights reel of someone like michael jordan you know for however many shots he takes and you see on a highlight reel there's 400 more that he misses yeah you just got to keep showing up yeah yeah and that has been a recurring theme uh i know you listen to mick and raddy's um podcast episode but good bloke i hope he's at beers this afternoon yeah, so do I. Actually, I'd love to have, <laughs> have a to get him, him. Give him a message. He's up. <laughs> he's up there with yourself, Chapo, and one of some of my favourite guys to have uh, beers with. Good, good fella. He's actually playing at our wedding. So, uh, yeah, the w- the wedding singer is his name. Yeah, uh, Adam, good. Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he does. Love stinks. <laughs> I'll get up and sing it if he doesn't. Um, but um, fuck, what were we talking about? I just got distracted by wedding. Something singer. about Henry. You brought you brought up his yeah, name. Yeah, well, I don't know uh, what we're talking about before that. Oh, yeah, the theme the theme that he noticed listening to prior episodes was that a lot of the guys just have this attitude of just keep showing up, mm. right? And I think as a, as a message, like, there's probably no better message that you can give to someone who is wanting to achieve a goal is just like, you just got to fucking keep turning up. Yeah, and uh, like, I don't know, like, running is a very funny sport where people go, oh, that person runs fast or they're good at this. Like, the way when I turn up to URC, I, people, I see people... Um, like Benny Ladder, that's like he he's got that grit where he's like, I don't care how long this takes me. I'm yeah. doing the whole course because because yeah. you said it's eight k or you said it's two laps. I'm doing two laps. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love that. I shit. love that. Shit, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny. Like I, I rang 
Benny to let him know that he has been elected skipper for next year. Yep. So Benny Ladder, Kung Fu Benny, captain for URC 2023, along with yourself, Chapo. Yeah, yeah. Good company. Good company. Him. But Benny, it's really interesting. He's such a humble dude, Benny. When he let me, when I let him know that I wanted him to be our, our leader next year, our captain, he almost didn't understand why he was being mm, selected. Forward, yeah. And and it's funny because I, I not only do I love that about Benny, where he just do, get turns up and does the work, but I love how humble he is. Mm. Um, and when I, what I explained to him was the leadership that he shows without even knowing by mm. just continually turning up. Yeah. And doing the work. Mm. He doesn't give a fuck how slow he is. I mean, sorry, when I say doesn't give, give a fuck, he does. He gets the shits with himself <laughs> regularly. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't deter him. It yeah. doesn't, it does not cause him to go, I'm not getting better or I'm not getting faster. Or I'm not as good as anyone else, so I won't go. And this is where this internal... Or I'll cut it short. The internal drive uh, aspect is really important here because um, if you do things... If you do things well and over and over and over again uh, and you do them for yourself, that'll shine through and people see that. Mm. Whereas, you know, when when you see people online that are trying to find all this uh, content and all this sort of stuff, you can, see, uh, you can see straight through that and you're like, well, that doesn't, you know, necessarily light my fire. Yeah. But, but um, I, I just think the message there is to keep doing what you're doing. And, s- like, if it's, if it's something that's good, people will notice it at some yeah, point. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now, mate, you mentioned a little bit earlier about um, promoting messages of health. And I, I want to get into a little bit more now about what you do for a living and and also y- the nutritional mm-hmm. uh, a- aspect of what you do as well. Yeah. I also want to understand where this drive for promoting public health and wanting to sh- change, I guess, change people's lives for the better in terms of an overall health aspect mm. not from the view of like for me i was a personal trainer so i wanted to help people get fitter and stronger mm. i also wanted to help them live healthier but your message has always been from what i understand to take an overarching view of health and look for the lowest hanging fruit to make improvements mm-hmm. and then how can you start implementing that in day-to-day life so yeah. tell us a little bit about what you do for a living uh, your nutritional business and yeah. where this drive to really try and start shifting that uh, needle comes from. So uh, mum's always shared with us a poem of success and, and the last line of it, you know, it goes all through all these things and it says uh, to even know that one life has breathed easier because you've been around, uh, that's, that is success. Mm. And I, I feel like I'd, that, that summation um sums up a lot of the kind of public health messaging that i put out there so i guess a couple of my passions is obviously human performance um and another one is around overall public health so i don't know if people can hear that uh, that crow that um, <laughs> holy shit we might have to get him a mic at this point <laughs> something you want to say buddy <laughs> what, what? fuck off yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, he's probably like, "Will you two shut up in there? Yeah, yeah. Fucking talking amongst yourselves. <laughs> um, anyway, hope he shuts up. At least up. give me a beer. <laughs> hope he shuts up. I don't even know what he's talking about. Um, yeah, the poem, mate. I oh, think yeah, that, yeah, that success, last line. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of coming through uni, I 
wanted to use my brains a little bit more than just my performance aspect because that's where I kind of came through school. Um, I was school captain in year 12 um, and did a lot with that as well. But um, I wanted something – I wanted a degree where I could actually kind of use my brain and, and it tied back to human performance in some way. So that's why I took the nutrition route. Um, and then – at the back end of my nutrition degree, a lot of people were specialising in clinical nutrition, so doing a master's in dietetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the back of my head, I was like, oh, I've done some placement in, in clinical settings. I really don't like the concept of tube feeding people or, or looking at uh, care in later stages of people's um, you know, journey. And, yep. and so that's when I chose to do a master's in public health and it just like, it really lit up sections of my brain that I was like this is this is who I am this is where I want to be so uh the concept around yeah public health is um for me as you said it's that low-hanging fruit and it sounds it's not the best way to describe it but there is always something that people can do to to literally shift shift the needle as you said um in terms of their own health in terms of their community health in terms of their family health and um by Hopefully the platform that I have um, put out there where they are simple messages around nutrition or, or overarching public health. And, and I do think that, that we've got this world that's online at the moment where there's potentially a lot of information um, and, and probably a lot of chat in the space that um, hasn't uh, necessarily read some of the shit that I've read mm. in terms of, um, you know, public health approaches or social determinants of health, uh, all these overarching things where we're like, okay, let's like pump the brakes on telling people as an individual to like just stop drinking more, uh, stop stop drinking or stop smoking or like like what are the elements that feed into that person smoking or Mm. why are people eating fast food in certain areas of Australia And, and the environment that people live in is is negatively impacting the way mm. that they choose to have health behaviors. So it's it's, it's funny hard. As, as a society, <laughs> I get so passionate about that shit. Hundred percent, and, and that's why I, I was so excited to talk to you and, and get into. Obviously, we had a lot of chat about you know how we met and touch footy and all that sort of stuff. But this sort of stuff, I know how much you care about it. It's interesting as a society. We are so quick to point fingers, to judge and to blame behaviours without even a thought of going, hold on a minute, pump the brakes, as you said. There is a reason why this demographic in mm. this area is, has a higher rate of um, cardiovascular disease. Mm. There's a reason why this area chooses to live a certain way that's causing x mm. you know there's like there's there's underlying reasons behind all of this so rather than just saying the simple message of we'll stop eating fast food mm. i think one of the things i love about talking to you about this stuff is that well there's a there's behavioral elements that lay beneath the yeah. surface behavior of, of eating the fast food there's, uh, there's elements of behavioral yeah. change that need to happen like multi-layered below it Oh, 100%. And there's, there's kind of – there's two concepts called a, a top-down approach, which is kind of like a government initiative, and then there's a bottom-up approach. And, you know, uh, initiative that I'm starting next year is, is a bottom-up approach where it runs from the community for the community. And then a top-down approach, it's it's kind of – you can slice off more of the pie by, by putting in certain policies to say, 
you know, and, and a prime example around that is, uh, you know, food advertising or, or fast food advertising to children or, mm. or um, permits for fast food outlets in low socioeconomic areas. Like, that shit just runs rife. Yeah. Industry has, like, is so far in pockets that yeah. it, it does my head in. But it's like, yeah, we, we can, you know, push shit uphill to say do this and do that and, you know, we're working with the community and all this sort of stuff. If we don't have environments where they're supportive of people making health behaviours, you know, potentially gyms being expensive or there's no green space for the, them to take their children, like all of that sort of stuff feeds into the, the same cycle and yeah. um, that's probably one thing that the general population don't really uh, have an insight to. They say, okay, well, I'm fit and I'm healthy in Cronulla or the Northern Beaches, like, why is this so difficult for everyone else? And that that's mm. a that's an ableist uh, view of the world to say that, well, and, and that, that kind of came through with COVID as well where people say, well, I'm not going to get sick and healthy, so why do we have all these restrictions? It's like, well, we're not looking after you, bud. <laughs> yeah. We, we have a lot more people to, to look after. And a good example of that is when people say, oh, well, you know, there was a big chat around COVID only had a 1% um, death rate, like, like let, let's just let it rip like what's the point only one yeah. percent yeah like at that point we had you know 700 people de- dead across australia which is not good in any instance right and there are multiple layers to you know o- other other um mortality and morbidity rates in australia that that affect you know the way people live and die yeah but um you know we had 700 people dead they're like, oh, just let it rip. One percent's not that much. You go, well, our population's what twenty-seven million. You take one percent of that. Yeah. We we are way off. You're willing to let yeah. another two hundred thousand people die yeah. Yeah. just because you think and it, that one percent's a small figure. Yeah, and I, I, it really just highlighted the the difference between public health approaches and general uh, public perception of infectious disease. It must be incredibly frustrating because that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. I know you work in New South Wales, you work in public health for yep. the government, right? Yeah. How frustrating is it having to deal with the people who do their research while they're having a shit <laughs> on the phone, Yeah. on Google? Yeah. They've fucking broken the code, man. Yeah. <laughs> I've done <laughs> I my research. It. I found it. <laughs> on YouTube. Having, yeah. It's on YouTube the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> PooTube. <laughs> I, saw Man, I don't even know what to type into that thing. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, <laughs> don't get a poo. It's tube, one of the people. tubes. <laughs> God, <laughs> getting getting down a rabbit hole. Anyway, um, but man, like, because I know you were heavily involved in the contact tracing mm. for COVID. Yeah, uh, f- literally from the point of the limo driver. Yeah, uh, from the airport that was essentially patient zero of that second yeah, yeah. four month the lockdown. Delta, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah. It must be. It must have been just so mind-numbingly frustrating having people, I guess, disobeying advice, mm. um, refuting factual evidence of what the behaviour of Delta COVID, like the Delta strain, was doing, mm. um, and essentially almost like making your role at New South Wales Health. Uh, so much more difficult mm. with obviously then people deciding to not get vaccinated because of again the research they'd done on yeah yeah well, the, the vaccinations yeah. like putting a fucking chip in us and like yeah, yeah. all these wild claims. I, I always refer back to like the governments can't even put fucking um, like 
filling potholes in the road. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> how do they think it's so complex <laughs> that they're like tracking yeah. us with a vaccination? Yeah. Like, we we already yeah. give them enough information. Oh, through without other without sources. Phones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I just think with COVID was really hard because it's probably the first time that people actually stopped and looked at infectious disease, and our mm. behaviours have now changed because of it. I've been part of public health campaigns around cold and flu where we're like. Uh, cough in your cough in your elbow, uh, stay at home if you're sick. Those kind of things. Successful campaign, but nowhere near as successful as a fucking pandemic hitting hitting yeah. Australia, right? Yeah. So we've changed our behaviours for the good. There are good outcomes from from COVID, but um, I think it, it's a catch twenty two. You got to meet pe- meet people where they're at. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really difficult that th- this is the first time some people were, were were kind of aware of infectious diseases and. And how quickly they spread, and and the need for, um, the need for restrictions and public health um, policy in, in that space. But um, yeah, it, it was really tricky, man. I think there's, it's always going to be hard. You couldn't have paid me enough to be a premier at that time. It's yeah. like you're always going to fuck up, and always there's always someone you you're letting down. And um, it was uncharted territory for everybody. Exactly. And n- not one person alive mm. had been through a pandemic before. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we we were all and and that. I guess from my perspective, I, I'm obviously not involved in mm. you know New South Wales health or public health like you are. It was frustrating for me, yeah, hearing people say Scott Morrison should have done this or yeah. Gladys Berejiklian should have done that or why aren't all the states working together for their for a total mm. like agreement on laws country countrywide instead of individual states and state mm. border control. It's like hold on a minute, we only know what we know. Yeah. Right. I'm not an epidemiologist, mm. so I can't comment on anything about. Well, I, I'm not even an epidemiologist. Like the, the the meetings that I was sitting in, I was like, "Fuck, there's some brains in this room." Yeah. And I'm I'm sitting at the bottom of that 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 ladder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, some of the messaging that I put out there around around COVID um times, like I, d- I didn't really want to get into it because it it does become politically charged to yeah. a certain degree, 100%. and I didn't want to get into that space of of that, but um. To a certain degree, it, it was kind of necessary because there, there's other, you know, I- information doesn't in, um, exist in a vacuum, right? Mm. So if there's other information that people are getting, it's like, well, we may as well, like, try and level this out a little bit. Yeah. But I, I think with the hard thing about COVID was people come from, as, 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 uh, as communities, we're really good at telling stories, mm. right? And the more that and one of my favorite a, things yeah, to do, we're on a podcast at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Case in point, but. Uh, Stories speak much louder than data ever will, ever will. And, you know, the odd stat here and there, people go, oh, wow. But if you tell a story about um, a certain person that got this or got that from um, a vaccine or that didn't, you know, either side of that story, it's really hard to go, oh, well, you know, fuck your auntie for, <laughs> for, yeah. for it does, you know what I mean? It's yeah. You've got to meet people where they're at. And if that's their, that's their lived experience, then that's fine. Um, but... It's it was a really tricky time, and I would say the the best value that I had when I was making very early calls about people, uh, you know, like two week isolation periods was I'd have some very tough conversations, but um, people would sometimes get quite angry with myself, like very very few. Mm-hmm. But of those people, I was like, all right, like just pump the brakes for a second. Let me explain why, mm-hmm. and people were we're getting off the phone to me being like, okay, I really appreciate that. I now understand why yeah. there's a incubation period or there's an infectious period or 
why I might have it but not have any sim- symptoms. Yeah. So explaining to people why, and I fully get this, and this is probably where it's hard for governments uh, to explain something so quickly, and they did do poorly in certain respects in communication senses, yeah. Yeah. To, to get people up to speed to say this is the why. Like, and and um, you can't have things like restrictions or lockdowns if the community isn't on board, and mm. and Australians were majoritively on board, with yeah. uh, like with the first first part I of it. There's no way you could go into a lockdown now; people no. would literally riot. I think globally, we we did a pretty fucking good job. Overall, we did. We did a really good job. Mate, talking about uh, communication, there's some. Uh, I read something recently about communication is the key to harmonious relationships. Yeah, I agree. All relationships. Even sitting down with people that don't have the same uh, opinion as you. 100%. But the problem lies in lack of – or refusal for comprehension, right? So trying to communicate clearly with someone who is not ready to comprehend Mm. what you're saying or to actually take in the information with an open mind, communication is useless, right? And I think that's where – the challenge probably lied with that whole COVID situation and it probably lies in day-to-day life if I really think about it. You can just be the, you can be the best communicator in the world but if you're talking to someone who's emotionally charged or not ready to hear what you're going to say and, yeah. and approach it with an open mind, then communication is useless. There's a concept called social identity theory and what it is is kind of, you know, religion is a really good example of this where you say, well, I'm I'm Christian, and therefore everything what I go to the the mass that I go to and the the priest that I see is, uh, you know, the best thing in the world. It's more important than your rabbi and your you know what I mean. And that's what's it, it's a good example of religion. But it came it came a bit apparent in COVID where people just literally took sides, and yeah. it's like we don't need it. Everyone just calm down. Let's it talk about no it. No need for this divide. Yeah, and it was literally like political divide and, and uh, you know, kind of people that are getting vaccinated versus people that weren't. And it was just like, like even the, the roles that I have in terms of community or New South Wales, working for New South Wales Health, I was like, fuck, can't we just all get along and just yeah. like chat about this a little yeah. bit more so? Yeah. And that's, that's what my phone calls were with people. Like from a New South Wales Health perspective, I was calling people up saying, mate, this is what, this is the rubber, you know, this is your kind of situation yep. this is why yep. and um people appreciate that man when you when you just listen to them and yep. and, and let them vent a bit like it's fair enough 100 percent. it's um yeah mate like i guess moving from all that sort of stuff and then being able to go back into living some sort of normality with your role now and mm. and also now being able to start devoting more time to what you want to do mm. for your own personal business yeah, it must be so relieving and refreshing to be like, okay, I've got this, I've almost got some rhythm back now, and I can start going back to the passion that I have around pushing out p- positive public health messages and trying to, yeah, you know, as you said earlier in that that last line of that poem makes at least one person's life easier through yeah. me being in it. Yeah, uh, so I think I think Holty's touched on this before in possibly his. Uh, Little brec- was it breakfast with Holtie? breakfast with BD, yeah. BD, there you go. Yeah. Uh, just in regards to the concept of ikigai. Oh yeah, um, I love that. Yeah. And like I referenced that a fair bit, where you've got all these circles that kind of interrelate, and if you can find something that you're passionate about, that brings in money, that bring, you know is part of your family, that's 
your if you die and there's multiple different spheres of a venn diagram essentially your purpose exactly and, yeah. and the more you can kind of bring into the middle of that venn diagram um the more cl- the closer to if you you can get and yeah. um i would say that like to a certain degree i'm slowly migrating that way now where i have work i have uh passion in it um i'm you know in the community it's part of my life so um yeah, it's it's kind of coming full circle, and and yeah, as you said, I've got more more time and capacity and brain space to actually think about it and yeah. put something out there. Nice, mate. I personally love what you put out there, particularly on your Instagram. Like some of the messaging that you put out. Sorry, not some. All of the messaging you put out, I'm massive fan of. Mm. Particularly the way that you deliver it too. It's very creative. Mate, I, I, th- I find it hilarious that I spent fucking so long at university, and I'm You're just coming up with memes. memes. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Who fucking needs uni, man? Meme generator. (laughs) You are the meme lord around the nutrition space. Honestly, if you don't don't follow Chapo already, (laughs) get onto his Instagram page, which is? At Chapo, pretty straightforward. At Chapo, yeah. yeah. And check it out. Like The the messaging is obviously amazing and and very succinct, very to the point, but it's also done in such a creative way, a very engaging way as well. Now, we've obviously spoken about how we met, about what you do, where your passions lie. Amongst all of this, you managed to fit into your... Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I like that. You know what else too I really much? liked about that too? You took the effort to put the mic yeah. to the mouth of the can. Giving the viewers what they want. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, viewers? You're, you're what the viewers want, <laughs> or the listeners. <laughs> listeners. I don't know if you know, you've been mentioned in every single episode bar two. Wow. Like Who are those two just out of interest? Well, the five-minute intro I did. <laughs> And uh, I think episode eight with Camillo, which is f- interesting that oh, he didn't mention you. I'll have to have a chat with him. Because <laughs> he, you are kind of how Camillo and I were introduced. So yeah. that was really weird that you can get a mention on that anyway. Yeah. He obviously doesn't care about you that much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, fuck, what was I saying? <clears throat> so you managed, to, amongst all of this, your public health messaging and where your passions lie and Amongst all of this, you managed to fit in some of the most epic fucking endurance challenges. I actually said this to one of my, uh, someone, like I think yesterday or the day before. I have some people in my life, some close friends of mine who do some unbelievably epic shit. Now, the two things I want to talk about um, real quickly. I, I've spoken to you about these on a previous podcast, but I want to talk about these real quickly because I think they're, very worthwhile mentioning a lot of people in URC might not be aware of this uh and then i want to talk about a challenge that you did with red bull uh, october 2021 mm-hmm. the first couple of things i want to talk about you've done two incredibly large bike rides <laughs> yeah i wanted to call, name them bike rides just yeah. to <laughs> layman's terms <laughs> cycling events yeah. um but again they weren't actual events they're going back to what you said before about just sort of setting yourself a goal not telling anyone about it and just going mm. and doing it mm. so you've ridden from vancouver to new york mm-hmm. across north america yeah in 2016 15 15 yeah and then in 2018 18 yeah you rode from cape tribulation in far north queensland to the bottom of tasmania mm-hmm. mate fucking hell <laughs> like let's go let's go to north america first yeah how far is that vancouver to new york uh, i think it ended up being about five and a half thousand k's fucking um, hell yeah where where did that idea come from it was the fact that i just 
I was just about to wrap up the rugby union season over in Vancouver. I lived over there for two years um, and I had plans to move home at some point and I'd, I had a bit of a gap and I was like, okay, well, what can I actually do or achieve while I'm over here? Uh, so it is a little bit worthwhile, you know, from a different front. I've kind of bookend uh, my Canada trip. I've, I went over there for uh, World Champs Triathlon age group and um, I wanted to try and wrap wrap. Uh, North America up somehow by, by doing a challenge and kind of came to me and, and started to, to plan it out. The logistics of that was probably the hardest uh, hardest part of that and in the end I was out with a mate and said, mate, what are your thoughts about uh, us both buying a van and, and you literally road trip across America and I'll cycle it and um, we were, we'd had a couple of beers by then and he was in, like, it was a yes straight away. and we that's, always a, from there. that's always a surefire way to get yeah, someone yeah. to do something. Just Let's go and have a couple of beers yeah, yeah, and yeah. then just like, hey, I've got this idea. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it was born and uh, it took a long time. I, sp- I probably spent, yeah, I probably spent close to nine months uh, going to a cafe every afternoon after I, after I worked. So I worked a landscaping job over there and uh, just, just started to nut out, like, what what days would look like and when I'd cross over into the American border and there's like complete unknowns, complete unknowns. Yeah. Um, it was unreal. It's, it's honestly one, probably one of the best things I've ever done. That's amazing. I, I think about that and I think like what an adventure, mm. you know, to Completely. be able to, to be able to not only say I've ridden from Vancouver to New York on a bike. Mm. So did you have a bike over there, did you say? Or did you yeah, buy one? No, no. So I went over there for triathlons. So yeah, had, right. Okay, I had yep, my bike yep, there. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, but man, some of the shit you would have seen over there. Like I, I know there's a there's a funny story about having a shit in front of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but mate, what, what's one of your best memories from that that ride? Oh, there was literally so many. Every single day was was something different. Uh, I I do think that I had a probably a bit of a preconception about what America might have been like and the people might have been like, but they were absolutely unreal. They yeah. they kind of welcomed us with open arms and every. Every town we stayed in, we had people that were kind of looking after us or, or doing things for us, which was unreal. But uh, oh, in terms of best memory, I, I do think that riding through Yellowstone National Park was something that I'll uh, will be hard to forget. I, yeah. I remember, so usually Cam would leapfrog me in the van and I'd meet him in 50k and then 100k or whatever. And um, we got into the National Park. So firstly, you have to p- pay per vehicle, I'm pretty sure. So I, st- I stuck the bike in the back of the van. We paid for the van. I got out, jumped on the bike. And um, Cam took off, as he usually would. Yep. And then within probably three Ks, I didn't have any music in because I was just taking it all in. It was unreal. Within three Ks, it was honestly like fucking Jurassic Park. This moose walked across the road. And it was, it was I don't know, I'd say two stories high. I don't know if I'm exaggerating there, but the thing was huge. Giant. Like, there was cars that were dwarfed by this thing. No way. And the antlers on it were were phenomenal. And I was just like, holy fuck. Like, I'm in strife here. <laughs> if, wow. he, if he, you know, and it was just so majestic. Um, so we saw, like, bison. <laughs> majestic. That's a <laughs> powerful <laughs> word. It was a powerful saw creature, man. Majestic like, ass moose, oh, man. man. Fuck. So as soon as I, I kind of had to get past him slowly and then called Cam. I was like, mate, we're going to have to rein in this like leapfrogging business because like I need you close at some point because, um, and yeah, the, the thing was that I actually bought, we, we went into a store and we we're pretty skin on money 
went to buy some bear spray before we went into the uh, into the park, and we were like, "Oh, we'll just buy this little kind of like purse fucking <laughs> what are they, what's that purse stuff called? The fucking well, the little tiny spray, yeah, almost yeah. like a mouth freshener <laughs> spray yeah. bottle of bear we're spray." Like, yeah, we'll take uh, we'll take that into the park. She's like, the, the chick laughed at us, and she's like, "If you see a bear, you want this thing, which was like the size of a like deodorant can." And she said, if you see a bear and it's in your face, empty this thing, like empty the whole can. So I rode, I rode through Yellowstone National Park with bear spray in my back pocket. Fucking yeah. hell. Didn't yeah. see a bear though? I didn't see a bear. Thank yeah, right. Christ for that. Did you ride past El Cap? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Not from memory. Right. Um, Man, regardless, like riding through Yellowstone would be, because it's such a big national park, right? It would have just been just unbelievable. I mean, as you said, you'd have memories that last a lifetime for yeah. that. And that was just one section of the ride. Like, and I guess in terms of, uh, I guess the things that I that I do or have done in the past, it just it just comes on as a bit of a idea. Mm. And then the, the more I start to think about it, the more I write it down, the more I plan for it. I'm like, this is happening. Yeah. So, and I think people go, oh, well, that's that. Oh, that's crazy. That's a crazy event. It's like, well. It, it all comes from within mm. you know, and everyone's capable of doing that, yeah. that whatever it is whatever yeah. that event is yeah. so literally start writing stuff down and and um, whether that takes a year whether that takes five years you'll get there you get it, yeah. eventually that's um a- another message I love it's like we I think everyone has these dreams that we are very quick to shoot down within ourselves and say that's I couldn't do that. too big I couldn't yeah, do yeah. that it's too crazy we are all Capable. Capable yeah. of the same things. Yeah. It's just how much are you prepared to put time in to prepare, how much are you prepared to put work in and suffer yeah. in preparation. It's literally like what I- what are you prepared to sacrifice? I've, I've talked about this in another po- uh, podcast, it's the opportunity cost. Yeah. What do, what's it going to cost me, whether it be time, money, mm. relationships, to have the opportunity to do this? Mm. You know, the, the opportunity cost is something I think about a lot. And it's something that like, when I was when I was a bit younger, I had the ability to go, fuck it, I'm going out there and doing this. I'm mm. being selfish and I don't care because yep. I didn't have anyone, you know, not that I didn't have anyone around. It's just the fact that it's like I had time and space to yep. do that. Yep. Whereas that opportunity cost for me now, like uh, having a partner or a fiance, it's like I was uh, selfish when I, mm. when I was younger because I was allowed to be. But yeah. the opportunity cost now, potentially with, you know, kids in the near future, you go, well, you know, I, n- I need to pull that back. And yep. where is where 100%. is that opportunity cost? Where am I allowed to spend it? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And that's where, again, communication comes in, particularly with having a partner, a fiancé, mm. or wife, husband, whatever it might be. Now, obviously, that was 2015. Then three years later, you rode from Cape Tribulation, which is the furthest accessible point by road yep. in North Queensland. Yeah, literally where the paved road ends. ends. Yeah. Okay, so there from bot- to the bottom of Tassie. Yeah, to Hobart, came into Hobart. Huge. So. Uh, how, and how, what's that three? Uh, f- what was the four and a half thousand saying? Four and a half. Yeah. So America was five. Yeah, four and a half. I think. Yeah, wow. Yeah, roughly. And again, just another unbelievable um, feat of endurance to yeah. say that you, you've done it. Obviously, very different terrain, yep. different landscape, different yeah. Uh, scenery. Yeah, and when I th- when I set that goal, I was like, "This, I know what this feels like. I know what rest days are. I know how I feel on the road." It's time to uh, up the stakes. Yep. So I purposely planned maybe one or two rest days to come into Melbourne from Cape Trib, so which is north of Cairns, as you said. But uh, I, I knew that I wanted to be ambitious and go, well, fuck, my current self is going to set my s- future self up to hopefully succeed in this, to, to push further. Yeah. 
even even if my future self is going to be swearing at my past self. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I rode Cape Tribulation and my first rest stop because I was feeling so fucking good and I was so prepared for it was Melbourne. So I rode wow. the whole main, mainland Australia every single day wow. for 26 days straight. Wow. Yeah. Man. Um, That's wild. What, how many Ks were you doing a day? That was probably 180-ish. Fucking a day, hell, yeah. that's unbelievable, Chapo. Um, and the funny thing is that people probably people that probably don't come from that background were like, "Oh, you must have been so cooked by the end of it." And it was the complete opposite, where just getting stronger. Oh man, I felt so strong. My legs were so strong by the end, and to the point where I think I had planned Tassie to do two days, and I just banged it out in one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I feel so fucking good. That's epic. Yeah, mate. Um. I would go into, you know, your favourite memory from that trip. I'm sure there's so many, but there's actually a couple more things I want to talk about yep. um, before we get into our five questions to wrap up. One of them I, I think is, personally for me, I think is, I think your two rides are so impressive. But the other thing I think I want to talk about, which I think personally for me is so much more impressive um, is the challenge you did, the vert challenge for Red Bull in October 2021? 21, yeah. Uh, October last year. Last year, yeah. So Red Bull are known for doing outrageous shit. <laughs> and they put a challenge out on Strava in 2021 in October to see who could gain the most vertical metres in October mm-hmm. of last year. Man... <laughs> <laughs> the nu- the number that I'm about to say is so fucked. <laughs> vertical meter, you you climbed sixty vertical kilometers yeah. in twenty eight days. Yeah, sixty thousand meters. Yeah, above sea level. Is that into like the fucking stratosphere? The funniest thing was that I was midway through this challenge. I was like, hang on a fucking second. Like, what are all the the spheres? Like, so I actually looked up what like they atmosphere are, yeah. and stratosphere. I think it's like eighty or something. I could be wrong there, but. I think I think it's eighty something. Man, <laughs> think about how fast sixty k's is like linear, straight, like yeah. a straight, and then stand that up. So okay, let's <laughs> rewind for a sec. When you set when this challenge came out, because you and I yeah. have done some stuff with Red Bull before. Yeah, were you approached by did Jen reach out to you from Red Bull? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, so I got asked to kind of promote it, and again, I had a bit of a gap where I wasn't actually. Uh, I didn't have anything planned for the next like month or two. Like there was key key races, right? Yep. Things that couldn't be brushed. Uh, and got asked to promote it, you know, with a couple other people. I don't know if you were involved in that as well. Yeah, like generally shout to me as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, to kind of just push it out there, get it p- get people around it. So I uh, I did that, sent through this video, and then I was like, oh, I got this weird hunger that I was like, oh, I haven't done this before. This is something that's so different. If I'm going to go after it, like you can't kind of warm yourself up into it um if people go full throttle yeah and i saw some names on on the sheet or people that were actually promoting the event that i was like okay well these are some big wig triathletes and things and i don't know if they were actually uh at that stage going for it but i was like well fuck here i here i am like Mm. and um it was just something that i i i loved i loved it and it was so strange that i did Mm. um i didn't think that i would and that they were very difficult parts of it um don't get me wrong like i feel like we always we always forget the shit parts and (laughs) and remember the good bits but it was uh it was i i quoted as like one of the dumbest things i've ever done (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> if you look at the stats, it's not hard to disagree. Oh man, it was just like and and you talk. Well, it's about hard to disagree, I should say. You talk about having a supportive partner. Like I was up at four o'clock and I wasn't getting home till nine. I was work. I was still working at a nine to five, and I was running. You know, I was getting up at four o'clock and and I was getting home at nine p.m. and um. It's interesting how the body adapts, but the thing was that like I, w- I was kind of cooked at work. Like yeah. my brain was just like a fucking Smart. mushroom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, well, not only did you do the vert, like you did seven hundred and fifty k's in that month, didn't you? Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm not sure. And the the, the beauty of this kind of challenge, was I've never focused on vert that heavily. So it was something where I needed to find, and I probably spent the first two weeks trying to find the ideal. Most um, bang for buck. Bang for buck, exactly. Because yeah. some had amazing vert, but they s- they were so rocky and technical mm. that you, you'd spend so long trying to get descent. To descend, yeah. To get back up again. Yeah. And then others that had very good vert, but they were a road. Um, there's one in um, like uh, Balmoral somewhere, one of those roads. Balmoral Burn, I think they call oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Awaba Street. That's it's like yeah, 400 metres long. Yeah, it's huge. But the thing was, by the time you get decent elevation on that, you've run a marathon. And yeah. I'm like... I don't exactly want to cover that amount of distance. Yeah. Um, so the, the beauty of it was that I ended up using Coogee stairs a lot and uh, Audley, actually. Yeah. Uh, so those two became my kind of bread and butter. And um, yeah. Coogee stairs, if anyone's ever done Coogee stairs, you know how fucked they are. Mm. How many laps did you Coogee stairs in one shot? Uh, I, think, I think they routinely, towards the end, when I was, like, pushing hard, uh, 72 <laughs> back-to-back, which yeah, was, like, man. five or six hours of... Of um, Coogee stairs. That is so fucked up. If any, again, if you haven't done Coogee stairs, you won't understand. But like, <laughs> I've done Coogee stairs and they suck. Yeah, They're probably yeah. the worst set of stairs that yeah. I can think of doing. They yeah. just go on forever. Yeah, seventy-two laps is just yeah beyond me. Um, but it, it was it was fascinating. And then towards the end, there was kind of me and another bloke that were kind of tussling, and um, and he started like not uploading his runs, and then uploading mm. him a few days later. So I was like. Fuck this guy. Like, yeah. if you're going to do that, you're going to have to beat me. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to beat me. Yeah. So the last couple of days, I just, um, I think I was running, I think I averaged around 2,500 metres vert per day, um, which is probably like half or half of UTA. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't know. I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot from a nutrition's perspective. Yeah. In, the, in those runs where literally I had the same... Um, the same variables, so same person, yep. same time of day, same yep. uh, temperature, same track. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to modify my intensity to push harder in these sets for the next three hours. Uh, I need I need nutrition more regularly or, mm. or I knew what was working, what wasn't. So yeah. it was kind of a lot of trial and error. Well, not trial and error. I knew what worked, but um, it was fascinating to just go for 28 days straight. I'm going to just modify certain elements yep. and then play with my nutrition around that and that's just i've fully got it honed in yeah. now and you are a big data guy too so you would have yeah. been nerding out on all that sort of stuff yeah like yeah, yeah. Uh, very yeah. cool yeah so um obviously lo- yeah i love the numbers of it but it fucking hurt man mm. it, it hurt a lot and but it was worth it like uh, i remember a couple of days out i was cooked and mm. i was like no one no one remembers who comes yeah second. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like Nick said on these episodes. First, you're last. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Smart man. Yeah. And, mate, you ended up, you ended up winning in Australia. You were number one in Australia, weren't you? Yeah. And yeah. so it was, it was one person that beat you globally. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, some guy in um, Colorado, like, man, he was not 
work. Didn't like, work. Oh, just was he was like, just literally well, hours, 80, 80, hours meters, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, so he was doing hours and hours, like in the proper mountains. Like, you, yeah. There's not well, too many. Colorado is like yeah. known for its mountains. And we've got hills in Sydney. <laughs> mounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a couple of stairs in Sydney. Mate, uh, as always, there's depths that we could go to and, and go further in so many different directions with everything we've talked about. I mean, like, I mean, we're about to go have some beers at Sunday Road. I'm sure we'll continue <laughs> unpack, unpack all this we'll shit. We'll bring the mics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I'm just picturing <laughs> us sitting at Sunday Road with the fucking headphones on and oh, mics. Anyway, but mate, it's time for our five questions that we wrap up the, each episode with. Um, mate, I'm going to start off. I think I know the answer to this. Favourite distance to race or run. Or just call it to race. Yeah. Favourite distance to race. Uh, I'd actually say... I'd actually say from back in triathlon days that running a 5K off the bike is something that I fucking love to do. Mm. When I'm fit, um, running, yeah, is, is usually my my strength uh, in, in the try. And I just love being able to uh, find find that next gear and, and just literally eat people up if, I, yeah. if they're in front of me. Yeah, nice. Like I, I really enjoy yeah, come off the bike. We've watched you uh, dominate a benchmark 5,000 in the lab mm. in uh, low 15s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Do you know what your 5K PB is? It's, uh, we're not in the low 15s. I think it's around... Uh, or high 15s, maybe? Fif- yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's f- uh, like 15.30, 15.40. Wow. So fucking quick. Yeah. But it's all relative, man. Like There's yeah. people that smoke me. So it's like... Yeah. Oh, mate, it's people that <laughs> run, you know, 12 and a half. Or yeah, yeah. Minutes. So it's like, oh, you're fast. It's like, well... Them, so I don't care. I'll just yeah. keep going at my pace. Well, mate, it's <laughs> funny. It, it is all relative. I think Benny Dutton in episode one, making comparisons is a fool's game. Yeah. Like, because a, Benny Dutton. Thief of all joy or something? Yeah. yeah. Comparisons the thief of joy. That's exactly what Benny said in episode one. But he said, like, comparatively, everyone sucks compared to Iliad Kipchoge. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, so it's, it really is a fool's game. But, mate, yeah, yeah like, when, I mean, look, y- you are, you are fast. There is faster people, there's slower people, so obviously I'm not gonna make comparisons, but um that's a fucking quick five K time. Mm. What is your favorite URC route? Oh that's uh it's hard. Um probably I like a I like a southern thunder. I like coming back on that tail end where kind of that uh little end or whatever it is. BWS that, that BWS, that nice kind of well. flat just before you turn left. So that whole section. Yeah. I love uh, finishing off on that. I do like I do like a Denman drop as, tu- as soon as you turn right. It's full and gas. And just start to send. Yeah. As you kind of ro- have rolling hills. So yeah. Um, they're two that I enjoy. Yeah. They're two really fun, uh, two fun routes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, both good. Um, all right. Favourite URC event, and that can be social or... Yeah, event. Uh, uh, I'm going to have one of each, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to pick two just because I, I do think that there's nothing better than starting a day with a running event and and finishing it with mates. And uh, for that for that reason, I think Sutherland to Surf just like ticks the boxes. Right, people did so well in that from the group. Yeah. Um, you fin- you finish up and you, you know you have a shower and then you go back and 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 have a couple of drinks and tell stories at at, um, at a local. At a local venue, and it's like it was. Uh, that was such a fun day, but also mid year mid year socials was like I don't. It's just like a laugh a minute. Like mm. it doesn't matter who you're sitting with or or what you're doing. There's also s- always something ridiculous happening. <laughs> like 
people, you know, stealing shirts out of their cupboards or something very ridiculous happening. Yeah, someone shrunk the bus midway through the. Yeah, <laughs> someone put the bus in the dryer. <laughs> yeah, suddenly it was for twenty people instead of forty, which we came on. Yeah. I didn't know how drunk I was. If this bus, you know, had shrunk. Is this the bus we came on? <laughs> Is this a bus for ants? <laughs> <laughs> so you, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> so um, good. Yeah, so I don't know, those two, but yeah, I'm sure there's plenty to come, which is which would be good. Yeah. Now, I know you mentioned before about keeping cards close to your chest, but are you willing to share any upcoming goals, mate? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, getting a little bit older where I'm, I know that my body won't um, be performing forever and I'd, I still plan on it doing that <laughs> for the foreseeable future anyway. And uh, But... In saying that, I, I have started to put my mind towards a few different things and, and one of those is something called My Health Pledge, which I'll, we'll be launching next year, surrounding um, individual behel- uh, health behaviours and creating community drive for preventative health. And um, so I guess a goal around that is to, to, to drive and to push that and, and really grow it. And as a part of that, uh, what I'm... Uh, what I'm initiating is something called a My Health Pledge Challenge, which is instead of me doing a marathon and asking all my mates to donate to a certain charity, uh, I still do my marathon and I ask my mates to donate a health behaviour. So they make a My Health Pledge on, on my behalf mm-hmm. and there's no money tra- transaction in, in, in that, um, but you know, between mates. So that's kind of, uh, that's a concept behind it. And for that reason, in January, I'll be doing a marathon row. Amazing. Yeah, so um, probably probably something that, uh, you know, I would have liked a lot more training behind yep. that, but, you know, it's something that I'm still capable of doing. Yeah, and 100%. It's probably just, just to... Being, to willing, being to willing to suffer. Exactly, to what degree and, and how much it's going to hurt yeah. is, is a different story. So... Um, What's the longest you've rode before? Uh, probably 10 yeah. or so. Marathon um, sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done 100. I've so. done 100Ks on a row. 100Ks, yeah. 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 That was so. brutal. Yeah, but um, mate, that's a, that's epic, and I mean, I obviously am aware of my health pledge. I think it's an incredible initiative. Um, very excited to be a part of it, and I'm excited to share that and get people involved in yep. the URC with it as well. Yeah, probably hear a bit more about that next year, and um, my ass will be very sore after <laughs> yeah. after a yeah 42k row. Hundred percent. Now, last one, mate. This is uh, one I always feel I take so much value from uh, because it's I get such varying answers. Do you have a favourite? motivational line or something you go to uh to get you through hard times or 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 even further than that where do you draw inspiration from uh i guess growing up in the country for me like sport was was huge and and it was always part of my life like i was one of those kids that literally used to lay out my sports uniform on sports days like i used to love it Fuck yeah, I used to do that <laughs> shit. I used to sleep with footies. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. cuddle footies in bed, not teddy bears. It wasn't, I, was, I wasn't that weird. <laughs> um, no, but it, it was, I don't know. My mum was playing touch footy when I when she was pregnant with me. Like, uh, it was just just kind of born and and, and um, it was part of our part of our life for, for me and my brother that sport was just always there. So I, I forget who, I think it might have been Benny Ladder that was talking about, you know, quotes on, on walls and things like that and, from a very young age, I actually had cutouts. So, like, I'd print out and cut out quotes and put them up around my room. I didn't really have posters of, mm. you know, I didn't really idolise a great deal of people at that time or think that it was necessary. So I kind of put up a lot of quotes on my, on my bedroom wall. And um, I think I think kind of looking back on that now, it's something that 
um, it kind of did probably instill a lot of stuff that was just, it's just second nature now yeah, yeah. Um, at, at my age. Um, and I, yeah, I did like get a lot, 40. Of a, lot of <laughs> a lot of A from that. So, <laughs> no, mate, I'm not that old. <laughs> Still got like six years. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where that internal drive came from and um, just proving yourself what, what you're capable of doing. And um, that, that's been there from day one, literally chasing my brother around in triathlons or, or touch footy. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's about it. But in ter- in terms of quotes, like we I mean, we've d- dropped some serious yeah. quotes today. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few. Obviously, you've spoken about a few before, but um, I just uh, I think I probably gain more out of uh, life quotes or personal quotes more so than than kind of those very cliche inspirational mm. quotes anymore. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of them around kind of, uh, I think one's co- confidence is quiet, uh, ego talks loud. Mm. So I, I gain a lot from that in terms of my personality as well. It's like co- confident confident people don't need to walk into a room and be uh, the centre of attention or, or think that they're the best in the room. It's about understanding what you bring to the room. Yeah. Um, and that's always where I've come from yeah. um, because the more you talk, there's always going to be someone that's a better runner than you. There's always yeah. going to be someone that's a better you know, mathematician or whatever you, literally whatever you do. Yep. If you walk into a room and go, oh, I'm the best runner here, yep. someone will put you in your place. Yeah. So stay humble yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and know what you bring to the table. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I guess that's probably my, inter- like where things have come from with, with me. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Yeah. Mate, love that. Thank you so much for uh, coming on today, Chapo. And mate, as I said at the start, we've now delivered what the people want. <laughs> Brought all the gear up to your place up in Gomer and, and mate, been welcomed into your place. A couple of beers. Yeah, they might be disappointed, who knows? No, <laughs> no, I'm now. sure they won't be. But, <laughs> mate, um, looking forward to a couple more beers with you this over up at Sunday Road. Yeah, Once right. again, thanks so much for coming on. I'm sure the guys are going to get a lot out of this. And, um, mate, let's, uh, let's go and sink a few. Very good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.